Coach, I know there's still one game remaining on this schedule, but when you look back on this year, what do you think you'll take away from it all? Well, I'm disappointed. Uh, obviously, I thought it was a, a very challenging schedule, especially non-conference-wise. In the league as well, getting St. Joe twice, those things you can't control. But the non-conference, we have to control and do a better job of as we move forward and, and clean up some of these old contracts uh, that we were able to do this year. And uh, you know we're shooting next year to have seven home games and, and six road games in the non-conference. Uh, our goal down the line is to be somewhere with about 10 uh, home games each year and four on the road. Uh, but uh, I, I look at that. I, I thought with the schedule and uh, if we got some veteran leadership on the floor, we might be able to uh, get ourselves to you know 12, 14 wins this season. So obviously a six-win season is not what we we're hoping for. And Coach, uh, you just talking about the schedule. We actually have an emailer question. This one comes from Brett. Uh, what do you have on the schedule next year? And do you think the new A10, the new field in the A10, going to be helpful for Fordham? Well, I think the A10 is so uh, fluid right now. I mean, as of now, we have two teams leaving. I wouldn't be shocked within a month of all of a sudden four teams were leaving, and then we were adding teams. So it's really unpredictable. Uh, you know, as as today attests, it's our second year in a row coming up here to Bonnie's. So you don't know who you're going to get you know, home, who you're going to get away. But once again, those things are out of our hands. What we can control is the conference, uh, the non-conference schedule, rather. Uh, we really won't know who's in this league and who's not probably until July. And then we'll get our conference schedule, as we usually do, at the end of August to the beginning of September. What we need to do regarding scheduling is going to be uh, in our non-conference uh, matchups. We're still searching to get some more home games. But we know that we're going to be able to go out and get four teams to come in to Rose Hill. And, uh, and then along with that, we have uh, Lehigh and Harvard coming in and uh, Loyola Chicago. So that'll be seven at home. And then we're going to have six road games at Manhattan for sure. Uh, that'll be a return game. And, uh, you know, St. John's at the Garden, once again, hopefully at the Holiday Festival. That's something that doesn't come together until late spring. And that's out of our hands. Uh, that, that's in the hands of St. John's on that one. Uh, it looks now like we're going to be going on the road to play a, an up game. Uh, that hasn't been scheduled yet, but the numbers will be seven and six. Uh, once again, I'd rather, I'd rather eight and five. I'd rather nine and four. I'd rather ten and three. <laughs> you know, you look at the conference this year, and you see St. Louis played fourteen non-conference home games. When you see Richmond, Xavier, Dayton, VCU, uh, all of those teams are up around ten, eleven, twelve non-conference home games. I think you know. Yesterday, I was looking at UMass's schedule. And UMass's record was 10 and three going into conference play. Uh, they're 18 and 10 now, so they've gone eight and seven since they've gotten to conference play, which obviously a winning season, unless uh, they were to lose today. But you can see how important it is to put a winning season together by your your run in non-conference. When you look at this conference, you know Charlotte could end up being the 11th place team in the A10, and they're going to have a 20-win season. So the conference is very very strong, and I and I think you know. We're looking now at the two teams leaving, Butler and Xavier. But uh, with that said, there's still a lot of teams and a lot of teams that are getting better. Uh, you know, uh, along with ourselves, you look at the bottom of the league, ourselves, Duquesne, Rhode Island. The commitment at those schools is tremendous. I mean, Dayton is tradition rich, not only in the A-10, but, you know, uh, over the last five decades in college basketball. And they could come in 12th in this conference this year, or 13th, rather. So uh, it's, it's a challenging league. Coach, we've talked about him many times before, but now that this will be Chris Gaston's final game in a Fordham uniform, what kind of player has he been in your time with him? Well, you know, Chris is an interesting young guy. I mean, he was very hard, very hard to uh, 
get a read on how much he wanted to improve on things he wasn't good at. Um, you know, I've been blessed to coach some guys that went on and played in the NBA, and and uh, their mindset and their about their game and what they needed to do. Chris has got tremendous rebounding instincts. Uh, Chris has got a great motor. He goes and goes. He, he, you know, rarely did he come in over my three years here and not really work hard in practice. Uh, my challenge with Chris over the last three years has always been the extra. What are you going to do on top of all of that? And that's generally what separates good college players from guys who become good pros. And, uh, you know, he's going to have an opportunity this summer to go play down in the Superior League in Puerto Rico. And actually two of my former players, uh, Carlos Rivera and Rick Apodaca, are going to be his teammates. They're going to be a backcourt with him. And those are two tough, really competitive guys. And I've talked to them. I just talked to Carlos last week. And they know he's coming, and, and I'm going to have a sit-down with him and let him understand now he's going to be a pro. And now you're going to be playing with people. This is how they feed their families. This is real basketball here, and, and your commitment has just got to be great. And uh, I think he can go down and, and have a huge summer in the Superior League if he really puts his nose to the grindstone and takes it real seriously. And in turn, that will allow him to go have a great career playing in Europe. And then if you excel in Europe, it gives you that entree into a camp with an NBA team. But that's going to be the path that Chris is going to need to take as he moves forward. But uh, he's got a good heart. He, uh, you know, he wants to please when he's out there. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's a shame that this is going to be his last game. And, and it was a shame the other night. I didn't want that to be his last game at Rose Hill. You know, I, I, I wanted Chris Gasson's last game at Rose Hill to be a night where he gets a double-double and he finds a way to lead his team to a win. And, Coach, you said after that game that Chris really has never had one of those monster games this year. How much do you think the play of your other young big men has been hampered or impacted by Gaston missing so much time this year? Yeah, well, it hurts. I mean, you know, Joe DeBarry told me the other day, I think counting the other night, it's like four or five games where we had our starting five and uh, all healthy. You know, between Chris being out and then with Brian Smith breaking his hand at the end of the year and as he was moving back into the starting lineup. So, uh, you know, it makes it difficult, but once again, those are opportunities, and it were opportunities for other guys to step up. I think Travion Leonard did so much going into the season to lose all that weight that he kind of was burnt. You know, by, by mid-January, I could see a difference in his, in his energy level and all of that. Um, and the opportunity really was there for him there, and him and Lucas Zavosik, to, to really uh, show their wares, so to speak, with Chris out at that, at that four spot. Uh, but them being on the floor can only help. The, the, that's the upside. The downside is them being on the floor and losing. You know, uh, winning's a habit, and so is losing. And obviously we've been trying to change a, a, uh, uh, a tradition here of not having winning seasons. Uh, I believe one in the last 18 or 19 years. Uh, so the residue of that is thick. And uh, the big thing for me is to find a way to make sure these young guys are staying on the floor, they're getting their minutes, they're becoming better, and, we, and uh, the, the compliments that we've gotten from opposing coaches and other people in the business regarding Ryan Canty, Ryan Rooms, and, and Travion Leonard, uh, we feel really good about it, and, and as we did on our own, you know, of, to have three big young guys like that. But you just want them to not lose their swagger and, and you know, feel like punching bags when they're going out night after night competing, trying to get over the top and not being able to win. Uh, when you don't have a veteran leader on the floor, 
it hampers your development. It slows down your development. I think when you rarely do you see a rookie of the year in a conference on a team that doesn't have great upperclassmen leadership. Because what allows him to put up numbers and be a good rookie is he's getting great advice and he's able to play off of other people. So when uh, people are not worried about doubling Chris, it makes it hard for Ryan Canty and Ryan Rooms at the five spot to get a lot done. Uh, you know, so the same thing with a backcourt player. If, if Chris is warning double teams, well, it gives open opportunities for jumpers and to make plays on the perimeter for Mandel Thomas. So it does slow down the process, uh, not only of your team, but individuals as well. Let's go to another emailer question. Um, he says, I know that Brandon Frazier and Jermaine Myers are already on the roster, but is there any possibility of recruiting another point guard for the upcoming season? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, we're out and uh, we're involved with a number of point guards for next season. And I think Brandon, you know, as the year went on and we played the upper tier teams in the A-10 especially, it was a challenge for him to play with the ball in his hands. So I think he can be a, uh, you know, adequate backup at the point but not for extended minutes each game. You know, if you need your 10 minutes a game from him, that's fine. But, uh, and Jermaine has got to compete on a higher level. And it's something I've talked to him about a number of times and we'll talk about in our end of year uh, meeting. So I think that that's important. Uh, but we are out there actively and, uh, and involved with some very good point guards for next season. Uh, I think at times on the floor, we look like a rudderless ship for that reason. We don't have somebody who's putting the ball on his hip and saying, you get here, you get there, you, you know what I mean? And, and it doesn't have to be a point guard. I mean, I've, on other teams, it's you know, point forwards, to use the term, that, that do it very often. But, uh, uh, yeah, our search for point guard is, is broad and wide, and uh, we're actually going to be in Europe at the end of this week uh, looking at a couple, uh, and, uh, and obviously throughout the United States, too. Coach, uh, looking at these last two games specifically, the biggest issue probably shooting in the first half. Uh, what do you think accounts uh, for the first half shooting struggles these last two? Well, I think fatigue to a certain degree. I also think just from the neck up. I think mentally when, when you're losing as much as we've lost this year, guys put their heads down. You know, I look at body language. We've showed our highlight, low-light clips, uh, you know, to the team after games, and, and very often a lot of it's body language. We don't even – we say, right, look, you missed this, this jumper. Now look at your head. You dropped your head, you know, and as you're running down the floor. Uh, that's the confidence that's lacking, I think, in a number of them. And that's, once again, it's from a number of losses. And it's immaturity. You know, a mature player gets, gets aggravated, gets upset, and gets aggressive when they, when they make a mistake. And they say, son of a gun, I'm going to make the next one. A young, immature player says, oh, no, another night where I'm not making shots. So it's, it's a, a maturity thing, and it's a confidence thing, and it's something that they have to work themselves through. They have to figure that out. We talk to them about it all the time. But, you know, that's what separates good players from great ones. Uh, Coach, I want to get to a, another email question here. Any plans to help make the three young big guys on the team, that being Leonard, Candy, and Rooms, do they need to be more of an offensive threat? I know that Travion's already – has some of those offensive skills, but is defense and rebounding really the key for these guys? Well, it is as they're early, but, you know, their roles develop. I think one of the things that uh, you'll find, it, it was interesting, we were on the road recruiting last week, and one of the head coaches in the Big East uh, came to me and said, if any of your three young guys were seniors in prep, were in prep school or in high school, the whole conference would be all over them because there's no bigs out there, especially late. And uh, what you do with big guys is you bring them in and their roles – evolve as they come in. Uh, Ryan and the two Ryans, Canty and Rooms, need to work, and they do every day, as Trey does, on their back-to-the-basket moves and having a, a go-to and a counter move in the post, 
And that's what Tom Parada works with them on, and he'll have a full spring with them this year. But that's huge for us, uh, without a doubt. I know some of them will develop uh, quicker and better than others. But with big guys uh, that are athletic like they are, at worst, they have to be great screeners, great post defenders, and great rebounders. And they haven't, they haven't done any of those things on a level of greatness yet either because of their youth. So that's something we'll work on along with them. But, yes, if you can develop a post-up game, very few teams have it. When you watch college basketball right now, it's amazing how many uh, you know, big people turn and face the basket instead of catching and scoring in the post. So the two hardest things to find are great shooters and, uh, and guys who can score with their back to the basket. Uh, Coach, Jeff Short has come off the bench, made his first two career starts these last two games. He's played well. Is he going to play today? And uh, is he going to start today, I should say? And is this possibly an audition period for him in terms of starting next year? Well, every time you take the floor, whether it's in practice or in a game, it's an audition. You know, uh, I guess that's one way of looking at it if you're a, a theater person. Uh, but look, we're, right now with Brian Smith down and with Jermaine struggling shooting the ball, we have no, no options but to play Jeff. And uh, it gives him an opportunity to show his wares. Uh, you know, the, his future is going to be decided by, you know, his work ethic and, and how he evolves and, and develops as a player. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely going to be on the floor today. And, and his, his strength is shooting the basketball. You know, he's a catch-shoot guy, not great at putting it on the floor yet. And, uh, you know, he's got to work uh, a lot on his ability to defend the basketball on the ball. So uh, those are all things he's going to have an opportunity to to work on today. And we've seen him, I mean, like you said, he's more of a spot-up shooter type. I mean, he I, I don't remember his stats from three the other night, but he was really hitting the threes. Um, we've seen him try to drive in at times, and there are times when he does get layups, but he does seem to struggle on the drive a little more. Mm -hmm. Is that something you're working with him more on, and do you think he can be that kind of guy? Well, I think his strength is going to be more of a guy who you, who you get off staggered doubles or single pin screens, right. and he catches and turns and, and, and drills jumpers without putting the ball on the deck. Uh, you know, I've coached guys that are, you know, as freshmen, they're one dribble good. And as sophomores, they're two dribble good, you know. Uh, but I don't think blowing by people, he doesn't have great foot speed. Uh, so I don't think blowing by people is ever, ever going to be his, uh, his forte. I think he's going to be more of a guy who scores on the perimeter, uh, you know, coming off screens, catching and shooting the basketball. Coach, we saw three forwards on the floor at the same time for a bit in that Temple game. How much of that was due to the matchup, and how much of it was because of the fact that Brian Smith isn't, isn't out there? Well, um, it was more driven by foul trouble and by, uh, you know, and by Brian not being there. Uh, you know, the advantage of playing the three guards is your ability to shoot the ball. I figured we would throw something new at them. Uh, but, you know, Chris Gasson's a skilled format right now. He's, uh, if he develops into becoming a three-man as his career moves forward, uh, you know, so be it. But right now, uh, playing him at the three hurts us with turnovers because assist to turnover ratio. When you look at the numbers of the three guys on the floor in the front court there, uh, that'll kill you. You know, uh, you got to take care of the basketball. And, and we're best served with the ball in Mandel and, and Brandon Frazier's hands right now. They have the best assist to turnover ratio. And Brian Smith had a decent one, uh, you know, prior to being injured. But, uh, you know, we wanted to play big, throw a little zone at them. Uh, you know, they did a great job of moving the basketball, not making a ton of perimeter shots, but we didn't rebound the ball at a well out of the zone. So if you're playing Chris at the three and not rebounding the ball, you know, what's the advantage there? So that's why we went back to the, you know, our, our standard three-guard set. Uh, for the Bonnies today, it's a, it's a win and in situation in terms of the A-10 tournament. Have you spoken to the guys at all about playing spoiler today? 
Oh, yeah. Well, look, they know every game is important. Uh, I let them know about this environment. The guys who are veterans know of it because we've been up here before and we haven't fared well. I mean, it's a tough place to play. Uh, you know, the, there's always a sellout here. Uh, the crowds at, at St. Bonaventure are legendary. So you're going to come into a very hostile environment every time you play here. And, uh, and that's going to be a challenge for us. And I talked to them about having the ability to compete, uh, you know, every night and, and, and using that, understanding that's part of a skill set. And it's a skill set that some of the guys are lacking uh, right now. And uh, that's unacceptable. Uh, you know, there's times where we've been pushed into having to keep guys on the floor because of foul trouble, because of injuries, things of that nature. But, uh, you know, coming up here, they're well aware of the standings. You know, we have talked to them in the beginning of the year. We talked about six or seven game wins was going to be the magic number to get into the tournament. And, uh, and they know that the Bonnies are sitting here at, uh, at seven and, and uh, they don't want to have to go to the tiebreaker, which we discussed earlier before coming on the air. You know, there could be six teams with seven wins. And, uh, and then you're going to go to some dicey tiebreakers with, a non with, with a, uh, an unbalanced conference schedule. And you could have a team that's capable of winning the tournament, not getting in it this year in the A-10. That's how strong the league is. Now, just a, a quick email or question here. Um, talking about Khalid Robinson, um, you announced he is coming back for that graduate year. Is he going to be on scholarship? No, he's not. He, he decided he came in and talked to us, and uh, he knew that uh, – when the scholarship was offered to him, it would be for one year. Uh, he came in and he said, Coach, I have an opportunity to go to grad school and or, you know, take my second major. Uh, I still have a year left eligibility-wise because he didn't play his freshman year. He's a great leader. You know, whether he's on scholarship or he's not on scholarship, he's a, he's a young guy that you want in the locker room. Uh, you know, he's a real tough kid, a very competitive kid, and I think his voice will become even stronger next year in the locker room. So we're excited to have him. All right, Coach Pecora, thanks a lot, and uh, best of luck. We'll see you later today. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure.